mean I'm a hot rod man. Yeah, I'm a hot rod man. Look out, little mama. Welcome back to Idle Chatter. How do you like that new intro music? That's Tex Rubinowitz from Ripsaw Records. I used to use him in the show, and then I uh, stopped using him, and I was using him on the radio show as an introduction for my uh, under the, sh- uh, I think I called it the Meet Me in the Farm Shop, <laughs> excuse me. Uh, I haven't been doing that for a while, uh, because the radio show, I've been running out of time, all right, so uh, I haven't been doing that, and I was thinking about it, and I used the same intro from Idle, for Idle Chatter, for Idle Chatter, the uh, Hot Rod Farm a minute, which is no longer a minute, it's like five minutes, and then the radio show, and I was thinking, I really like, I personally like that song from Tex Rubinowitz, because he is the Hot Rod Man, and I am the Hot Rod Farmer. So, I think what I'm going to do is change it up a little bit, if you don't mind, and I'm going to start to use that as the intro for Idle Chatter, and I want to thank you so much for joining me today, and if you're new to the show, I am Ray Bohax, the Hot Rod Farmer, and Tex Rubinowitz is the Hot Rod Man, right? And I hail from Cat Swamp Road in Hackettstown, New Jersey, and I want to thank you so much for tuning in, for clicking in today, and God willing, everything is going along well in your life and your business, your farm, your ranch, and whatever walk of life, and whatever part of life you're in right now, because that's what it's all about, right? So uh, we have to be able to enjoy the blessings of life, the blessings of harvest, and the blessings of hard work. And there's a lot of people, uh, there's a lot of poor young men in, in a VA hospital that went to go serve their country and lost their limbs, uh, and I mean, a lot of them lost their lives, sadly, but lost their limbs or lost their eyesight and uh, different gave up parts of their of their body for our flag. And so we cannot complain about doing hard work. So many times people say, oh, I want to do it easy work. Or I want to retire. And I'm not against anybody retiring, but the Bible tells us that we should occupy until Christ comes. And in the word, the word occupy, does not mean occupant like uh, when you get junk mail. That means that we should busy be busy doing something productive until the good Lord returns or the good Lord takes us home. And that does not mean that you can't go have fun, but I think the, a li- my personal take on it is a life that is spent with no real work, just trying to entertain yourself is a shallow existence and people people think oh i'm having a wonderful time i'm going on a cruise i'm going on this i'm going on that and that's fantastic if you have a if you balance it with doing what the lord wanted you to do so god willing uh we will have an interesting show today and if you haven't already listened uh my on the road podcast with mike werner from caledonia minnesota and I mean, yeah, Cal- I keep saying Wisconsin, Caledonia, Minnesota. I should know that. Uh, dropped just last week. And I am going to invite you, if you have not already listened to it, to give it a listen. Uh, it's a compelling and just just moving story of his walk in life. And if you're not familiar with it, he, later on in life, he had a heart attack. Then that caused him to lose his eyesight. So he became blind at 43 years old, and he is 53 now. And he talks about all of the challenges, and but how the good Lord blessed him and took away 
well, the ancients say he blessed him. The good Lord allowed for him to lose, because it's allowed uh, for him to lose his physical sight so that he could get his spiritual sight. And that's what we really all need in life. We need to have our spiritual sight. And if we're blessed to be able to have our physical sight, and then we get we, we get our spiritual sight, then that is a wonderful, wonderful thing. But a couple of things I want to go over here today, other than the new intro music, well, it's new old, right? Like when you buy, uh, if you're restoring a car or, or a truck, and and with a farm tractor also, but it's probably harder to get parts. They call them NOS, new old stock. And in the in the car community, new old stock NOS. It's, a, it's an NOS water pump. So that means it's a factory brand new water pump from, let's say, ford or general motors or christ or whoever it was right in the box that was never used or maybe 50 or 60 years old and it sat on the shelf somewhere for 50 50 i'm not laughing 50 or 60 years so it's what they call new old stock so it's old stock of course it's very old but it's new it's never been used and um i my friend bob ida and I've done some, uh, used to do a lot of magazine work with him and his son, Rob, two great guys. And um, I would say, God, time flies by. I'd say probably 20 years ago. Um, and they built high-end custom cars in South Jersey in Morganville, New Jersey, which is outside of where the old, near where the old Raceway Park used to be with the summer, NHRA Summer Nationals. And they build... Just to give you a little bit of a segue to it, very high-end custom cars. And if you then going back to on the road, if you go to my first on the road episode, it was with Rob R O B, Bob's son. Uh, and and as I said before in this show, is that we have a unique relationship because I'm friends with both the father and the son. And the father is about 14 or 15 years older than I am, and his son about 10 or 12 years younger than I am, so I could fit right in the middle, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm straddling that fence there. So when the when the father complains about the son, I could enjoy, I could, I, I understand it. And when his son complains about the father, I can understand it. So because I'm right in the middle of the and that, and they have a wonderful relationship. I don't, I'm not implying that they do not. But uh, you know, there's different. Diff, I, I mean, I used to complain about my father. My father used to complain about me. Different mindsets, from different eras, different experiences in life, and. Uh, and different opportunities or lack of opportunities but the first on the road podcast was with rob and uh, he it was just a very 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 interesting story uh how he got where he is and how his inspirations came and uh it's just full of wonderful rich meaningful stories so if you didn't listen to that or even if you did listen to it and uh you may want to go back to the on the road series and go all the way to the first one and i don't do that many of those podcasts but but they all are very very interesting people and as i said either have to have um they're all passionate people and they're either passionate about farming or firing orders or some of them both so like mike warner he's passionate about both or at uh, matt hagan the drag racer so check that out when you're in the combine harvesting and and, uh, god willing that is all going going well but a quick little story and if you happen to listen to the radio show also 
you will hear a condensed version of this story because that's only um have mer- rural radio series xm uh, was merciful to my audience and they it's only a half hour show so i can't babble on right i can get right to the point so uh whereas on a podcast i could babble on until the good lord comes back right but anyway much to your chagrin i would assume and i would not blame you but uh anyway but uh you know years ago i used to love i was at magazine holic as a as a young kid i mean as soon as i could read i mean i remember i, I think that my mother was teaching me to read before i went into into uh, kindergarten a little bit i mean wasn't reading the encyclopedia and then i don't know maybe let's say first grade i honestly don't know but very very i mean i uh, very 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 early on uh maybe it's not that early who knows because my wife teaches the kids to read in kindergarten now but anyway is that um i could not wait to read because to me the world was such a rich interesting place and i had i had seen um by god's grace of no benefit of no no uh to, to no credit of myself as those sentence i'm trying to form that that there's a world of knowledge and just just so everything when reading and because i love machinery because i loved cars because i loved everything and uh, i couldn't wait to read magazines and magazines was that's such a loss in my, from my point of view in this world today you're reading something on a computer or on a what they call a handheld device or a cell phone it may be okay it's not the same like holding a book or a magazine in your hand and getting a new magazine in the mail i used to love when i get magazines in the mail then I, I told you this story before and i used to thumb through them real quickly because i was wow look at this look at this look at this and then you know i would do a quick cursory uh viewing of the magazine and i would sit down so oh, i want to read this story first this story second this and and, and whatever to see to see what it's about like uh, doing a flyover right and uh and used to love it and the excitement of going to the mailbox and getting them and sometimes uh, you got two or three the same day I mean, oh my god i was in heaven so uh but we used to get popular because of my i got the car magazines my father didn't he was from an era where he really didn't get car magazines but he would get popular mechanics and popular science and mechanics illustrated three fantastic publications and um then when i got a little bit older i would get all the car magazines i was a little bit older about eight years old nine years old i mean maybe even six years old i don't know so i get hot rod motor trend car craft popular hot rodding super stock and drag illustrated uh there was a, something else i used to get and uh just couldn't, couldn't couldn't wait couldn't wait to read them and so that's why i was so anxious to read and so anyway but in popular mechanics they used to do this thing called and i'm i'm leading up i'm not just walking down reminiscent lane here you know uh, so th- uh they used to have owner surveys and every issue they had owner surveys at least one and possibly two and they'd always cover blur but i i i learned that subsequently that term from being in the magazine business and cover blur but and i'd say uh owner's report 19 you know 72 toronado uh, owner's report 1968 ford fairlane all right and uh and they would have these owner's reports and what they basically did 
I don't honestly know. I think I had a hinting idea, if I remember, that somehow they went through vehicle registrations and they would send people a survey of that particular car. Now, keep in mind that this was in an era prior to computers. And these were, tw- and, and these magazines, let's say P- Popular Mechanics that did this, I mean, that was a thick magazine. They had everything in there from woodworking to, uh, to guns to, uh, to uh, electronics to cars to inventions to uh, military, everything under the sun. I mean, today they couldn't put that magazine together for love or money. All right, forget about it. I mean, and it was so rich. It was technically rich. Oh, my God. If you get a chance, you know, go online here it is i'm against computers but when you go online and look up some from late i would have to say that anywhere from the late 50s to the mid 1970s uh would probably the late 60s early 70s was their high water mark as far as that's concerned and just look at the content i mean how to fix your tv set i mean they had they had what they, they had a, they had a uh a section i think was pop, both popular mechanics and popular science popular science didn't do the owner survey but they had some parallels where they they almost had some of the same content uh but i think popular mechanics had more hands-on content and popular science was a little bit more uh, i'm not gonna say obscure but not as much you know how to build a you know how to build a bookshelf but anyway but there was some overlap there but this was you know prior to computers i mean this was all manual when i say manually written all right this was you know these people wrote these articles on a typewriter and there was no computers to get, glean all this information and uh it, it was amazing that they put it the, i mean it wasn't amazing back then we took it for granted but today i look at oh my god you know they, they couldn't put that together today for like i said for love of money but anyway so i think that they reached out to these people somehow they got the auto registrations from different states then they said okay uh, whatever 71 Oldsmobile Toronado using that for an example uh actually i remember the 1972 Oldsmobile Toronado owner survey but and then what they would basically do is they would compile all the results and they would have uh in the magazine business we'd call it pull quotes so they have quotes from well pull quotes actually from an article if you have an article you see it and it is uh, like in the middle of some place the article blown up and they do something with artwork and, and they pull a quote from it but what they would do is have, they would take quotes from all these owner surveys i mean somebody had to read it and see which was the good quote to pull out and they never used anybody's name and they would use your vocation and where you were from so they would say, uh, you know, a farmer from New Jersey likes the power of the 72 Toronado when passing. And then they would say some, and then they would also compile data. They had a data chart with percentages, what the average fuel economy was, what the people, I mean, you know, whether they would buy that car again, would they, would they buy a Tor- you know, Toronado again, would they buy an Oldsmobile again, uh, and what have you. So fantastic information and loved it. And not only was it a uh, extremely interesting to me as a young boy, but but also it was a catalyst for me to learn, and it was a catalyst for me to ask well my father and the different questions about engines or vehicles or well I you know I mean they didn't get technical types so I like the four barrel carburetor you know uh, so uh, but I don't like the four barrel carburetor drinks gas excuse me and um but since they had the people's vocation 
And that's why I remember the 72 Tornado, because I explicitly remember going to my father with the magazine. And when you had a call like that, like a Tornado, and I think they did a Tornado and El Dorado in the same issue. There were two different owners' reports, right? And I look at the you know, 72 El Dorado, and the, okay, uh, you know, a, a, a physician from Oklahoma says he likes the trunk. And then I remember specifically reading that there was somebody who made some sort of comment that could have been good or bad. I don't remember. It was not all positive, all right? It was, it was, it was the real deal. It wasn't fake news. And, uh, and the guy was a millwright. He says, you're a millwright, you know, uh, a millwright in Ohio, you know, uh, likes to front wheel drive to get through the snow. So I remember going to my dad and saying, what's a millwright? Because what I did... As a, as a kid, because you, know, you just put pieces together, you say, well, a Cadillac Eldorado is an exp- expensive car. I mean, I knew that. And everybody in, here, everybody in here is a banker or a doctor or a lawyer or something. And I said, a millwright must be a pretty good job because he's got the same car a law- doctor has. So it was popular mechanics didn't intend that to happen, but there was a positive consequence uh, it was a collateral benefit of being able to read that and look at it and anal- and, 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 and trigger something. And I'm not blowing my own horn, but it was a, it was a catalyst, as, I'm, as I like to say. And it was an inspiration because you say, well, I could become a millwright. And then I found out a millwright you know, works in a factory, takes care of the machines. And I think that guy was a millwright in a steel mill. And uh, so I said, this is fantastic. I mean, I could work on my hands and I could get a cow like a, like a, like a doctor. Wow, this is, you know, the world was an exciting, exciting, wonderful place. And those magazines were exciting and invigorating and inspirational and have you with every page, with every page, even though I wasn't really much into woodworking, but I saw, you know, and things like that. So on. So what am I getting up to here? All right, I'm going a long way. Um, 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 uh, Pardon my language. My father would say, you're removing your tonsils through your rectum. It was this famous line, and that's two body parts, so I guess it's not really nasty or dirty. But what I'm going to do on the radio show, not on the podcast, is I'm going to do some owner's reports. And the Packard Car Company, which I learned from my father, and subsequently when I got older, I read that it was true. Uh, Mr. Packard, who built very fine American automobiles and engines, a lot of aircraft engines, industrial engines, what have you, was was a stickler, a stickler for quality. It was a stickler for quality. Actually, during World War II, uh, they were using a Rolls-Royce engine, Rolls-Royce designed engine, some of the fighters, and <clears throat> I don't think in the bombers, but I think in some of the fighters. And because of it was supposed to be, uh, there was American, there was Allison aircraft engines and like homing and what have you. But for some reason, they were using this Rolls-Royce engine in some applications. And during the war effort, they wanted to make it in the United States. They didn't want to make it in England. England was an ally, but we needed to make parts here. We couldn't wait for the Nazis bomb something. We had to make parts here. So what had happened is that I'm condensing the story is that through the war effort that the Rolls-Royce engine company 
and gave Rolls-Royce aircraft engines, gave the blueprints and everything to Packard, I guess through the Department of Defense, it's moot, and and to make the engine. And, uh, and then Packard came back, and I think Ford also was supposed to make some, because it was a different world back then. But Packard came back and uh, said to them, we can't make the engine to these standards. And I think it was Ford Mo- Ford Motor Company may have said the same thing, but don't hold me to it. But uh, and so Rolls Royce got got you know the, the Brits. God bless them. I mean they're wonderful people, but they got you know they got all all pumped up and everything. Oh, well, mate, we got the engines. We made so good engines, we can't make it. And no, they came back to him and said these dimensions are so sloppy, we can't make anything that sloppy to those standards right we we got to we got to tighten up all these we have to redo all these blueprints because your tolerances are way too way too big for what we do we do much finer machining so uh i don't even know where i was going with that but anyway so what happened was that oh yes i was saying about packard so packard's advertising tagline it's bad when the host loses his own way. How can I expect the, the, the audience not to lose their way when the host loses his way? And their advertising tagline, my dad had told me, in, I guess in the 1950s before they went out of business, and if there's, there's books on the, pack, on the Packard Motor Company, and Mr. Packard's quest for quality is what actually put himself out of business because he was so quality-oriented that he'd throw stuff away. Now, good. Right, so anyway... Um, so what happened is that they had an advertising tagline which said which went i should which said which which uh <clears throat> stated that you should ask the man that owns one so packard was saying don't listen to me don't listen to packard company don't listen to the car dealer right that's trying to sell you one don't listen to anything ask the man that owns one and he'll tell you and they were so confident that if you ask a packard owner that he would just gush with 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 praise for that vehicle and so their advertising tagline was that so and what i want to do is i want to ask the man that owns one and this is going to be on the radio show it's not going to be every week and i'm telling you that because some of you listen to the radio show some of you don't listen to the radio show but the radio show is listed as a podcast so you can listen to it one week after it airs on my website or most podcast hosting sites farm machinery digest radio and what i'm going to do is i will be asking the man that owns one uh, not a packard but it could be a, a farm tractor it could be a grain bin it could be a pickup truck it could be a car it could be a, a milking robot and there's going to be a couple of caveats that i'm going to attach to that but the first thing is because you know in today's world and i i say i'm not politically correct right but the world has changed so to a certain effect to a certain extent I have to bend a little bit to it and because there are so and, and and agriculture has so many very dynamic women that are involved with it then a lot of wives and mothers and are are, are main components in on farms and ranches and agricultural operations that for me to say ask the man that owns one and take packard's line uh is not going to be correct so i'm going to say ask the person that owns one so those episodes are going to be are going to be titled like 
I may tweak the the wording a little bit, but it's going to be a a audio owners survey. Owners, I don't want to say survey owners report, but unlike popular mechanics, I am not going to go and have a whole cadre of of different people's opinions on it. All right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to when the opportunity comes up, and I'm I'm putting this out to you because you you may you need to uh, or i shouldn't say you need i'm hoping that you will uh consider this either for something that you have or somebody that you know and uh and we could start to do it so for instance uh i potentially have someone that had a uh when i say had because it did not suit his needs but he had a um a Ford Lightning pickup truck, and he kept it for a couple of months, and he got and he he traded it in and for a uh, more conventional type of F one hundred and fifty. All right, so it did not suit his needs. I'm not going to give away the thunder on this, uh, and uh, so and I spoke to him the other day on the phone about possibly coming on the radio show. So it would be ask the man who owns a Ford Lightning truck, or ask the person, I should say. Uh, that owns a Ford Lightning truck, and that's what that episode. And then maybe down the road, say, you know, we're going to be talking about someone who owns a um, uh, a Fent Ideal Combine. So, and why I'm doing this is because it's going. I as I've always said, I want this show to expand. I want this whole concept to expand through education, and uh, and it's going to be important for. For you to have some exposure to someone who owns that now i guess there's going to be a couple of caveats i attach to it uh and those caveats may be altered as time goes on like anything you know you you go down you go down a pathway and say well and then you find all the bumps in the road but what i'm what i'm thinking about doing is putting a three-year maximum uh, threshold on a road going vehicle so basically anything that's so if it's going to be a silverado pickup truck then it can't be more than three years old because i don't want somebody saying well uh, you know <laughs> that uh, they talk about their 1978 or something all right that's not what it's about because the majority of my audience is in production agriculture so it's not going to be it's not a collector car thing and what have you so it's going to be your experiences with that and i'm going to ask people questions about it and it's going to be like i said it'll be on a radio show so it's going to be a half hour show actually 24 minutes so i'm thinking about a three-year maximum threshold three on a road three to four years in a row and that could be a a peterbilt semi all right i mean it's a road going vehicle all right and uh then i'm going to talk about farm equipment all right and uh, i'm thinking because the shelf life the useful life of a piece of farm machinery is a lot is a lot longer than the useful life of a road vehicle or the the intended useful life i mean i keep stuff for 20 years so but i'm an anomaly so i'm probably i'm going to extend it out to maybe 10 years or 12 years and when we talk about farm equipment it doesn't have to be an engine it could be a center pivot all right 
irrigation system. It could be a milking robot. It could be a grain bin dryer. It could be a, a conveyor system. It could be what have you, right? It could be a header for a combine, let's say like a, a Drago head and using them, that brand cap, pap, you know, popped into mind, an aftermarket head. So you have a new combine or you have a combine, but you've got a Drago head on it. And uh, so I'm going to hopefully try to do that, but I am not going to be able to accomplish that to the level I want without your help. And the other caveat is so we're going to put an age limit on it. And the the other thing is that I want the real deal. All right. I want because that's what I'm about, the real deal. Uh, And I don't want it just to be pardon my, my French, but the uh it's not a bad word it's a it may be a little bit crude word but it's not the bad word it's not a bad word because even in the king james version of the bible and i can't tell you where it is because i laughed when i read it and uh there's a term pissing against the wall and that's actually in the bible believe it or not pissing against the wall so if it's in the bible the king james version maybe a later version decontented but i use the king james so this is not meant to be a pissing and moaning session right so it's not i'm going to go on a on a microphone on rural radio and i'm going to piss all over this i'm not that's not what it's meant to be about if you have gripes i want you to air your gripes if you had a bad experience i want you to air your bad experience but so many times you know, even like when you do a seminar, you do something, <clears throat> and they question people afterwards. They could have thought it was fantastic, but for some reason in the human psyche, they think they have to come up with all the bad things. I thought it was too long. I thought it was this. I thought it was that. And then the guy's smiling when he's walking out, and then when you ask him something about it, it's almost it's almost like uh, whatever they call it when they do that survey after people vote and the people lie to him and say, "I voted for this guy," when he really didn't vote for that guy. So so who knows it's not going to be a i don't want everybody moaning and groaning if you have legitimate legitimate complaints i want to air them legitimate problems i want to i want the audience to hear them and it's going to be my small way of of doing a popular mechanics owner survey but it's going to be on things that are in things that my audience has so you may have a new corvette all right and uh and we'll we, we could you know we could talk about it's not gonna be every week all right corvette every week and then it could be so i'm i once again i'm gonna ask you to put on your thinking caps maybe it's you maybe you have a, a two-year-old pickup truck or a two-year-old combine or or atv or utv on the farm or a loader or something on the farm whatever it may be it's a piece of it could be a, a piece of shop equipment it could be a, a a compressor you have in the shop but i want to try to bring this to the next level i want to try to give you some feedback because people say well, i could go on google i can send me google reviews well if you do any research on that probably the major i don't want i don't want to give a percentage because i would be lying but a lot of those reviews are phony and we'll leave it at that that they pay pay reviewers to give stuff a uh, a glowing report but that's not what we're about here so it's going to be one person all right and that does not mean as we go along that if, let's say if you have a uh a fent momentum planter 
and I and I do something with you, and you tell me, and you tell the audience all about it, and what you like, what you don't like, and that doesn't mean, God willing, if the show still exists and I'm still alive two years from now, that I can't visit somebody else with a fan planter. It doesn't close that door. Or you could have a uh, a diesel or whatever, a Silverado. Uh, pickup truck with a Duramax and the other guy's got a gas engine so like I say you know it's it should be a lot of fun god willing it should be interesting and it should bring you intrinsic value if you are looking to invest in something because remember you're investing you're not buying so whenever you get something you're looking to invest in in uh which means that you expect a return and that a return does not necessarily mean a return on your investment like you put money in the bank and get and get interest it could be but you are buying a you are investing in a piece of equipment for your farm you're investing so even if if you know if i if i invest in a new car for my wife so i'm investing it so she could go to work right and bring home money bring home the bacon if she doesn't have a car she can get to work so so like i say it's it's more of a mindset it's a thought process than anything so i want to thank you for that the other thing i'm going to touch on probably not briefly is that uh this is going to be more like a uh uh, a, uh, what's going on type of show if you don't mind it makes well I guess it does make a difference to me if you mind but uh, but I will note it to you in mind till after the bullet left the barrel of the gun right the show's already out there that show stank so but uh, that episode stank but I I create I shouldn't say I created there was a bit of a buzz with the episode a week or two ago on the electric cars and that was actually one of the catalysts that pushed me forward on this i had this idea but it kind of pushed me over the edge uh, and about the electric vehicles and whether i should try to road test them now keep in mind that i do have to have a company i mean i have a good relationship with ford motor company i have a good relationship with a lot of companies uh, one listener brought up a, a very good uh, topic that I should road test a John Deere electric gator. And uh, I think that's an excellent idea. And that was from Mike Warner. Uh, because uh, uh, something like that, a, a, a UTV or ATV on the farm, probably lends itself very, very well to electric, uh, to being electric because you're just running around, starting, stopping, moving around. So I will have to reach out to John Deere and see if I can get them i don't know there's a little bit of logistics with that because they get it here but it's not insurmountable but but anyway uh but i could only road test when it comes to road vehicles pickup trucks cars i could only road test what the the media office has so the media office that i work out of for ford and for general motors and nissan and some other brands are all in the new york city metropolitan area they moved they all used to be in manhattan in the city and they moved out into new jersey but it's still 60 miles away but because it's a a new york city metropolitan area media office that the vehicles that they have that's why when i get a pickup truck the road test it's a hundred twenty thousand dollar loaded pickup truck not like a guy's gonna take it into a cornfield but that's why when i road test i road test about the dynamics of the vehicle not that it's got this really good moon roof or it's got this you know uh ten, you know two thousand dollar stereo in it because that's not where the rubber meets the road or the rubber meets the soil right in the field 
because it's soil it's not dirt so i'm hoping to put in some requests once this charging station gets up and running about a mile and a half less than two miles from the farm here and then i have to do a little bit of research and make sure that that tesla charging station has a plug that will fit different let's say if i get a rivion uh which i would like to get a rivion to road test or if i get a uh electric something silverado that 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 plug that's in that charging station so i have to do a little homework on my end which is not the end of the world that shouldn't take long to determine that and um and so they have to have the vehicle i can't road test something that they do not have so that is going to be something that comes up and i have to be able to put it into a put it through its real life paces as a farm slash ranch slash rural vehicle so uh so that basically is it so it's not going to be a it's not going to be a moaning and groaning session it's going to be something and uh that's with the radio show but anyway but but getting back to the electric vehicles it did because i put myself off on the wrong tangent uh is that it i'm like i say created a firestorm but i got a good level of feedback and the feedback so far was very positive everybody wants me to road test electric vehicles and that's why i was saying i think only could get what they have in the press fleet excuse me road test electric vehicles but also uh it seems from the correspondence i got and i didn't get a million i'm not going to deny that i got enough i got I, I will i wouldn't mind some more but i got a very good sampling so far and i thank those who did send something in and you know who you are but it seems to be that there's a lot of confusion and then oftentimes and and i guess because ford is the first one that came out with an electric pickup truck i know silverado chevy has one now and gmc and and they got this rivian but that's obscure because you probably can't find a rivian dealer in 95 percent of the united states especially rural america but you can find a ford dealer or a chevy dealer but since ford was the first one that i'm aware of that came out with this lightning pickup truck <coughs> that it has a lot of targets on its back and then and that's really what this what i'm going to talk about the show today is that uh that's about the ford lightning but it's got a lot of targets on its back and you know and i've gotten like i said feedback from people so oh, my neighbor's got a prius and he, he, he goes all around and this lightning sucks <laughs> so the thing is that you have to be objective and as i was saying in that show you have to be objective and you have to look at that you cannot compare a prius plug-in or or an electric nissan leaf or or anything else right a chevy bolt to a full-size electric pickup truck and you can't compare it because would you compare and this is and this is the thought process because i want you i want you to i don't want to say educate you i want to modify those that that are not applying in my estimation the correct thought process because you need to apply the correct thought process in anything decision that you make in your life because if you make if you if you're just shooting shooting from the hip with, with, with anything oh, my neighbor went on an airplane once <laughs> the wings fell off i'm never going on a plane all right so the thing is i'm being ridiculous but 
the thing is that you need to have a really you have to be objective on this you have to take your as i said you know you have to take your personal emotions out of yeah your emotions are eventually going to come into play but let me ask you something let's say that you had two gasoline internal combustion engine right vehicles you had a uh you had a whatever toyota corolla we're going to opposite ends of the spectrum i'm not going to say a prius because that's a hybrid right the toyota corolla and you had a uh, a Dodge Ram pickup truck. And they both had gasoline engines, internal combustion gasoline engines. Would you compare those two? You wouldn't compare those two and say, well, my neighbor's got a Corolla, and he gets 40 miles a gallon, and, and my Ram sucks gas like anything, he gets 10 miles a gallon. Right? You wouldn't say that. You may say, well, my neighbor has a Corolla or has a Ford Fiesta like I have or something else, then he gets 40 miles per gallon, and I'm using this big Ram pickup truck to go to work each day, and I'm by myself, and I'm getting 9 or 10 or 12, whatever miles per gallon is costing me a lot of money to go to work. You would not blame the vehicle, right, for that, and they're both internal combustion gasoline engines. So what I'm seeing with the little bit of feedback I got so far is that then like i said ford seems to have the the bullseye on their back oh ford sucks and this and that and the f1 and the lightning they screw that up and whatever because my neighbor's got a tesla or my neighbor's got a, a bmw uh and he got electric and he thinks it's fantastic well <laughs> you're comparing apples and oranges you wouldn't compare two two internal combustion engine vehicles with a different class as you would so so keep in mind that anything that you look at when it comes to machinery for your personal life for your your farm your your business operation what have you you have to look at it the intent of its use so yes maybe a ford lightning pickup truck doesn't have the range of your battery range which would be akin to like your gas tank range right of of a uh a tesla model 3 using that as an example but a tesla model 3 can't tow a boat right so the thing is that now if you're happening to use the lightning pickup truck as a person who could use a tesla model 3 and say well i'm commuting to work or i'm going my wife uses it to go to the grocery store and take the kids to school well then 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 that's not the vehicle's fault that's not ford's fault and if you bought a tesla model 3 which is the, the smaller electric tesla and you backed it up to your airstream trailer and you tried to pull it and you couldn't pull it well that doesn't mean that tesla stinks it just means you're using it for the wrong application so i've seen a lot of that so far and i've seen that even prior to me saying that on the podcast just being in the automotive community is that people you know people come i don't want to say complain they make comparisons to things that should not be made comparisons to all right because they're apples and oranges if i raise sweet corn and you raise field corn and the other guy raises soybeans and the other guy raises raises sugar beets all right there's four different crops there yes they all grow in the soil well sugar beets grow in the soil everything else goes above the soil but when you plant the seeds they still need seed to soil contact 
All right, that still doesn't change. All right, they still have some sort of root structure and they have to have the proper nutrient uptake. Yeah, maybe some of them are going to share or kind of shadow the same amount of N, P, and K they need, but others are going to need different micronutrients. So you can't, so you can't fertile. I never raised sugar beets, but you could never, you, I'm assuming you cannot use the same fertility program for sugar beets if you really want to have high yield sugar beets as you would for sweet corn all right so just like you can use the same fertility program for for uh tomatoes all right so the thing is that don't fall into the trap of saying that the technology is not good and i don't believe that elect that electric vehicle technology is practical it doesn't mean it's not good and i may and i'm against it i said and i'll repeat it again i'm a thousand percent against it for all of the things but this really came to be like a lightning rod and um and the thing is that you really that's that's a hundred percent wrong that's like comparing two gasoline engines in two different types of vehicles two different completely different segments and then saying well this one is not good because it runs out of gas <laughs> sooner well maybe it's not good for your needs so so the so the thing but 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 also it did because of my analytical that sounds like i'm bragging i'm not bragging because I've been trained to be analytical is that the same mindset that even though people are comparing electric vehicles which i'll repeat i'm a thousand percent against i'm a thousand percent that the government is trying to jam it down our throat i'm against uh, the environmental impact of it i mean people think that they ride around these electric oh i'm, I'm saving the, the planet you're killing the planet but that's not what the story is here all right do some research what's used to make the how much the the materials that are required to make the batteries the mining that is required for those materials the environmental impact of those materials what happens to the battery after the vehicle has its functional life is over all right how we make how are we going to how is the is the collectively society going to produce enough electricity so there's a lot of things going on all right so you could basically say well if you drill for oil you have you got you guys drilling for oil so yes yes but if you look at the environmental impact of an internal of a of a fossil fuel that's probably the best way for me to say it versus the environmental impact that uh that an electric vehicle has <laughs> forget about it because you think that you're doing the world good because you have no tailpipe all right that that's that's you're fooling yourself but that's not what this is about we're talking about electric vehicles we're not talking about the environmental impact of them but really if you look at it honestly what is the impetus for this all right the 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 impetus is for is is to say well we're going to go and we're going to save the earth well, you're not saving the earth all right you may not be you know just like if you go eat a steak you didn't see that the you didn't see that that the, you didn't see that poor cow as as it as it went into the slaughterhouse all right you didn't see that poor cow when it was a when it was a baby when it was a baby calf all right uh nestling up to its mother you just see the steak on your plate all right so the thing basically is but that steak is part of a was was part of a living breathing cow with emotions and what have you so because you didn't go there and you didn't see that that doesn't mean that that didn't happen and, and believe me i am a meat eater all right so the fact of the matter is but you have to look at things realistically 
And so that basically is that. But, you know, so many times, and that also when you look to buy anything, a tractor, a UTV, a car, a truck, a plant, whatever it may be, right, that you have to look at the intended use, your intended use. So you may say, and like like Mike Warner brought up a great part, I mean, great point, you know, a uh, electric uh, John Deere Gator. I personally think that that's a very good idea, all right? Whether I would buy one or not, I don't know, all right? But I think that it's a, it's a, it's a very practical use in most instances in most instances for that technology what's a lot of start stop maybe an electric school bus is a practical use you know or electric mail truck i don't know you know it depends upon now if you're if you're delivering mail in a rural route and you're putting 300 miles a day on well probably not but whatever so in in engineering we use the term application specific but oftentimes a technology in, on a piece of equipment gets either ballyhooed and it gets promoted as the most wonderful thing since sliced bread all right to that thing stinks it sucks and blah 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 pardon my language all right um, and because the people who invested in it the early adapters and there's always what they call in marketing early adapters there's a guy who's gonna fist fight to get the first electric car he's gonna fist fight to get the first the first and you see that right when they come out with a new iphone or new, new whatever some kind of gadget the people they are lined up to two o'clock in the morning to get into the i'm gonna be the first one to get it and the other guy punches the other guy in the nose now i'm gonna get the first one all right then they call those early adapters that they that once you know and then the the television news bally who's it or the news media may oh my god the new iphone the people are fist fighting where they want well that's that initial surge almost in any type of thing you get those early adapters is initial surge right but then the market becomes then the real market comes to play after the early adapters disappear from it right so the thing is that oftentimes these early adapters of anything drive the dialogue on a narrative in one way or the other and if you want to look at something for your farm you want to look at you know and uh then you have to be able to get beyond the hype of the early adapters because the early adapters are, i mean when the and i'm going to make an automotive analogy because it's it probably suits it very very well and that probably it does or at least in my estimation when oldsmobile came out with the oldsmobile diesel which i believe was 1970 it was probably 1977 excuse me it was either the 77 model year 78 it was no later than 78 and it wasn't any earlier than 77 because for 77 they downsized the full size gm downsized the full size car so i think it came out in 77 boy you could not pick up a magazine in the beginning i spoke about magazines you couldn't pick up a newspaper there was newspapers back then right you couldn't pick up anything all right that didn't have a thing ozobiel diesel ozobiel diesel ozobiel diesel you got this big delta 88 or ozobiel 98 and gm used that engines in other lines but the osmobile because it was it was an osmobile engine produced engine they were the first to bring it to market and then a year or two later you could get it and that Oldsmobile diesel in a Cadillac or or a Chevy Caprice but the first year or two was Oldsmobile only right and the people oh my god look at this and you have to remember the dynamics of that is that we were right between two energy crises all right so 
you know you have to look at a lot of this stuff right and so we had the energy crisis in 1974 and then we had an energy crisis in 1979 which obviously 1977 or 78 we did not predict the energy crisis in 1979 which was more of a localized crisis where the one in 74 was uh, throughout the north america throughout the world anyway so you got to, oh, you go buy a full-size ozobile and have the comfort and you get 30 miles and they did they got i mean back then they got 30 32 miles per gallon on the highway if you drove the legal speed limit because the speed limit was 55 miles an hour when president ford did it reduced it during the 1974 energy crisis so 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 they there was everything was fantastic all right everything was fantastic then six months later to a year later and everything then you had these people all wanted to sue general motors they also build diesel stings it's a ripoff of general motors don't know what they're doing they can't build an engine and then and then and then the fact of the matter they can't build an engine they can't do this they can't do that i remember there was a there was a guy who used to park his oldsmobile diesel in front of the new york auto show and was running all sitting all day long he had painted oh this is a lemon oldsmobile lemon general motors lemon and, and all this other stuff and at the time you there was a, a peugeot which is a french car which evaporated off the market thank god all right but uh or north american market and mercedes had some diesels right and people might think my friends got a mercedes diesel they went three hundred thousand miles it's ozenbill blah 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 blow up and blah, blah. and what oh and what basically happened is that using the Oldsmobile diesel it's probably going to be somebody out there that's yeah full of it hot rod because my uncle had an Oldsmobile diesel I want to think no good right well I'm not saying that the Oldsmobile diesel was made by the good lord like the Grand Canyon all right but the Oldsmobile diesel was not a bad engine the people who had it did not know how to care for a diesel and did not know how to use a diesel if there was so the so if there was one engineering weak link of the Oldsmobile diesel all right the 5.7 so it's based on a gas motor it was actually a beefed up Oldsmobile block matter of fact a lot of people didn't know that that block was so good that back then there was not a lot of aftermarket blocks that anybody who ran a GM car in in nhra pro stock racing used to build the drag race gasoline drag race engines using an oldsmobile diesel block if you don't believe me look back in the, in the hot rod and car craft and drag illustrated magazines from the late 70s the oldsmobile diesel block in a pro stocker all right but the the fact the, the, there was a weak link in that engine and the weak link was that they used the timing chain uh between the camshaft and the crankshaft which in Oldsmobile gasoline which had millions of engines billions of engines use that right but what would happen is once the timing chain stretched because the injection pump and it was a Rusa master if I remember correctly injection pump I don't think it was a standardine but the first ones are Rusa masters and the injection pump was where the distributor would be because they were trying to I'm not gonna say economize they're trying to be smart business right and then what would happen is that the, as the timing chain wore, that the injection pump timing would skew, and then the then the the engine would be down on power. It would be maybe a hard starting, but that chain had to wear quite a bit. But if you knew what you were doing and knew how to set an injection pump, it would be just like if you had a gasoline engine, and the timing chain wore 
and and distributor is running off the camshaft right is that the time that the timing would skew also but a gasoline engine was a lot more uh benign to that than a diesel was than a diesel is i should say so that was the only real design flaw on the Ozenbiel engine all right and it really wasn't a flaw because the it, i mean if it it really didn't it took a while for that timing chain to wear if it was if it was used properly and taken care of but what the the big the, the big it wasn't a flaw the big issue with that engine is that people would buy them and do a million short trip cycles with them so the thing is that that engine because of its mass because of every diesel engine it it used to pollute the oil a lot and used to get a lot of moisture in the oil and the engine would never ever fully warm up all right i shouldn't say never very rarely fully warm up so a diesel those people did not understand and it's same thing is happening today with the diesel pickup trucks i had a guy uh, i i i don't know who uh, let me put it this way i just know a guy a local guy he buys these he, he went through every brand of diesel pickup truck he had a ford that thing stank the motor stank right he had a then he bought a chevy with a Duramax. that when he first got his greatest thing since sliced for night that ford right and then then twenty thousand miles that chevy stings i'm getting rid of it and then he bought a ram with a cummings all right and then he, oh i'm done with ford i'm done with, i'm buying ram from now on right i'm done with gm i'm buying ram well six months later a year later this ram stinks right so so what happened what happened was that he was buying he wasn't that the the truck stank that he was buying the, the everyone's diesel right he bought a, a Duramax, he bought a power stroke he bought a cummins and he would not go more than seven or eight miles on he used a truck locally and a diesel engine does not like that causes a whole multitude of problems it needs to run it needs to get hot it needs to evaporate off the moisture it needs to not build moisture in the oil and he had the same problems with every engine respectively and then what happened was that oh then with the tf4 emissions right he'd be always be plugging up <laughs> plugging up the particular filter because he never ran it long enough to go into a regen to burn it off and then it would go into a forced regen and the thing would be parked on the side of the road and there'd be smoke coming out of the back so it was a nightmare it was a nightmare and that's what people were doing with the Ozobiel diesel so ultimately that engine got a bad reputation because of the majority of people who had it did not use it the way a diesel engine should and a lot of people who buy a diesel pickup truck or a diesel lawn tractor all right should not have a diesel they should have a gas engine because of their use pattern it is a lot more forgiving and is benign to a certain extent to the short trip cycles than the many starts not completely benign but it is benign to a certain extent all right so when you look to buy a piece of equipment when you look to buy something and the catalyst for this as i said was the electric car you need to look at the at the use that you're going to put it under all right so the thing the thing basically is is that you cannot look at things in, in one dimension all right so if you say well i'm going to buy a 48 row planter all right well if, so so if you say well i have enough acres i'm going to buy a 48 row planter does a 48 row planter 
pencil out for you for the amount of acres? Does the 48-row planter, even when it folds up, does it fit in your shed? How many people are saying, well, I bought that planter, I love it, but but I, it don't fit in the shed, so I got to leave it outside. So now you're buying a hundred, two, three, four hundred thousand dollars planter, all right, which is whatever it may be, a fifty thousand dollars planter, and you're leaving it outside because you don't, you does not fit into your shed. All right, but you didn't think about that. You just thought about how much quicker you could plant your acreage. Now, another thing I've seen so many of, I've re- and I may be wrong, but it can only go by my experience. Let's stick with the planters. All right, the fact of the matter is that I've very rarely seen a four to six, a ten row planter that was really in bad shape. Uh, what I have seen in my through my analysis, my anecdotal analysis, is that the more rows you have on a planter, the older it gets, the worse shape it's in. Because there's 48 rows for you to take care of. There's 48 rows that have a potential problem, or 16 rows or 20 rows versus four rows. You get a four or six row planter, and usually, unless the guy's a real animal and doesn't take care of anything, that is usually well maintained. Um, another friend of mine not about planters has a whole bunch of collector um, beautiful cars right beautiful cars but he's a one-man band it's not his intent not to take care of them but he doesn't because you know you it's your whole life you need to take your whole life spending taking care of this one needs to be washed this one needs to be waxed this one needs the oil change so ultimately they sit there with 90 percent of them with dead batteries and flat tires covered with dust all right because you you almost need a curator to take care of it so when you look to invest in equipment for your farm you look to invest in a vehicle all right the thing is that you have to be honest with yourself you have to look at it and say yes well maybe in you say and i'm going to get you know stick with the plant well if i have a 48 row planter all right the thing is that then i get this big monster all right and i have enough horsepower to pull it and i can end up plant in my fields and whatever one day i get everything done and maybe that that's i'm not going to deny that but you have to look at the carrying cost the maintenance cost all right if you have more rows on a planter there's more potential things to go wrong right right so if you only have four rows there's only four areas to go wrong now can you plant ten thousand acres with a four row not yes you can not not effectively because it will take you too long all right but the thing is that you have to balance this out and and so many times getting back to trying to put some closure to this because even though you know and and i'm repeating it got a got a lot of feedback with the electric vehicles so far all right the thing is that i don't like electric vehicles so the thing i said i would never buy one all right i would i never i would never buy one there's other things about it that i'm not even discussing here like i said in the show the emi is too 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 many too too many potential areas that i don't feel comfortable with but if you buy an electric vehicle and you hook up your you hook up you hook you buy a whatever tesla cyber truck which doesn't exist let's say you buy a new silverado and then you go and you you have a uh, a travel trailer and you have a house you have a, a campground by the lake 200 miles away and it's uphill all the way and you hook and you hook up your your electric silverado or electric hummer to it and you're trying to drag this trailer and it's going really great for the first 100 miles 120 miles 
and then uh, the battery the battery dies on you you depleted the battery because people don't recognize or they're not paying attention they don't make i don't know if they don't recognize or they don't put the things together is that of all the different things on a gasoline and diesel engine also that affect fuel economy and the rate of fuel consumption so so think of electrons in the battery as fuel consumption because it's just like a gas tank there's only so much energy in there and you and you get three halfway to the lake and you're dead on the side of the road because with your brand new vehicle because you have no that doesn't mean that the vehicle is bad it's a poor choice for what you choose chose for it to do all right it's so the thing is that it'd be like a, it'd be like my wife wearing high heels to go run a marathon all right or maybe she could go 10 steps with it right maybe she go 20 steps with it 100 steps with it but she's not going to run a marathon in high heels so the thing basically is is that so you have to keep that in mind and i don't want you to fall into that no matter what you do whether you're building a farm shop whether you're buying a combine whether you're buying a well pump all right now is that you need to to look at things objectively you need to think look at things accurately and you cannot make purchases investments based upon strictly upon your emotions because sadly if you make them if you make investments based upon your emotions and you may say this 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 thing checks all the boxes boom 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 right and the things it's almost like voting for a political candidate all right you could say well you can't say well i like this guy because he's a republican i like this guy because he's a democrat right if you want to be a good american then you need to look at the person standing and and, you, and there's no political candidate that you're going to agree with everything but you're going to have to identify what is very important to you what is secondary or third on the list to you and how does that political candidate feel about what is important to you all right and then if they check those boxes all right the important boxes that the idea that the other you say well i don't particularly this guy is great he's on this he's on this he's this but he wants gay marriage or he wants gun control all right and you say well i don't want for gay marriage not for gun control well the thing basically is is that it all depends in your list of importance where that stands and and so many times i see people buying equipment buying farm equipment buying like i start to talk about the well pump you know you have people i got the biggest well pump i could get well maybe if you have a center pivot that's what you need excuse me but if but but if you're looking at a at a, at a well electric well pump all right the thing is that when you talk to any company all right specifically if it's not a brushless motor is that uh that you know they they call it inrush current when you start a motor you start an air condition let's talk with all stick with the well pump so is that when you when you start a motor all right that it has this inrush of current and it has an exponential amount of wear through the electrical electrical parts of the motor whether it's got brushes or not during that inrush current so the fact of the matter is is that also and just like a gasoline engine or a diesel engine you don't want it to short cycle and that's why a lot of people who don't take care of them making an analogy we've talked about electric cars and teslas deals and build diesels but about well pumps if you don't take care of the pressure in your well tank 
all right and the and the pressure is the air pressure is not correct it's depleted then that pump is going to short cycle so you're going to have a lot of short cycles a lot of inrush current if you say okay fine all right that, that that's not the case but if you put let's say uh i'm going to make it ridiculous a two horsepower pump on your well tank and the fact of the matter is is that you really only should have a half horsepower pump all right then yes it's going to fill that tank up quicker but you're going to be short cycling that that well pump more that electric motor more on that well pump and the well pump industry says that when the pump evokes so if you have for and using this for an example like on my well tank i have a 40 60 switch so it, it cuts the pump in at 40 it shuts off at 60 all right so that means that i'm supposed to have 38 pounds of air in my well tank which is two pounds below it's supposed to be two pounds below the cut in pressure all right if i have if i don't take care of it i have eight pounds of air all right or i do take care of it and i have such a big pump that that pump doesn't run for at least a minute for it to cool off and to to work properly then you're going to have a lot of short cycles so lots of times bigger is not better bigger is better if you could use it it's not always better all right and i'm not saying you don't buy things with a cushion in it but you give yourself a little wiggle room but the moral of the story here as i get ready to close all right is that number one is that i'm going to ask you to to reach out to me at hot rod farmer at farmmachinerydigest.com so that i could feature you potentially all right on about on the uh ask the person no one no owns one episode on rural radio series xm channel 147 i will dedicate the whole episode to you but also the other caveat is that you have to be able to speak and i don't mean that derogatorily but you you have to be able to succinctly speak about whatever that that machine or piece of equipment we're talking about all right so that's basically that when you look at something and you can, don't compare apples and oranges don't compare soybean yield with corn yield don't compare electric vehicles to internal combustion vehicles all right not defending them but apples and oranges all right don't compare don't compare even if it's the same fuel don't compare uh, a, 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 a a smart car versus an f-350 and say the smart car is so wonderful i could park anywhere in the f-350 i can't but it can't pull a trash so it has to be it has to be apples and apples oranges and oranges all right because it's the same fuel you whether it's gasoline whether it's diesel or if it's electrons flowing from a battery you have to make a comparison against that you can't compare something you can't you can't compare it all right it's basically it's 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 ridiculous all right it's like a a high yield farmer corn farmer saying i got 600 bushels per acre and yeah i guys i got 200 bushels per wheat well 200 on wheat is fantastic and 600 on corn is fantastic all right but the numbers are different different numbers all right when it, when it, when you look to invest in a, and anything that you're going to invest in in your farm whether it's a vehicle whether it, it's it's a long-term investment it's a lot of money that you have to do your due diligence and you have to be honest with yourself 
is this am i going to take care of this is this is this too much for me is it too little for me all right the the a lot of people within this community the knee-jerk reactions get the biggest i want the biggest you know and and i want the most power well sometimes that's good sometimes it's not all right but you have to be honest with you how are you going to use it are you going to take care of it does it, you know, uh, um, you know, do you, do you, are you going to be the mother dog with ten puppies that you're going to give a little bit of a lick and some milk to, and then wish them the best, or is you going to have two puppies or one puppy and she could really take care of it? Very, very important. Just like you can't, I can't farm a thousand acres by myself. All right. So the thing is that you have to look at that. But, but as I come to a close, I see from my perspective. And, you know, like there's an old saying in the country, what's in the well will come up in the bucket, right? So if you make a wrong purchase decision, all right, and you buy the wrong grain bin dry, you buy the wrong center pivot, you buy the wrong vehicle for your farm, you buy the wrong size planter or what have you, and I'm not saying the dynamics of life don't change. I'm not saying that. All right, but the fact that if you buy, the truth is going to come out. I mean, if you're truthful, you're going to come out and say, man, this planter is too big, this planter is too small, this tractor is too heavy, this tractor is too big, this tractor is too light, this tractor doesn't have enough horsepower, this tractor's got too much horsepower. It's all going to come out. I mean, it eventually comes out whether you choose to admit it or not, then it's a different story. But if you want to be realistic with yourself, then you have to look at what, how that equipment suits your needs and just like when you go to a shoe store there's all different types of shoes there's dress shoes there's work boots there's running shoes that you have to make sure that you are investing in the piece of equipment that is proper for your needs your use and that and if you have a want to give yourself some cushion one way or the other that's smart business from my perspective so Please reach out to me and let me know, and I would love to be able to have the person who owns one, right, on the radio show. So you have a blessed, blessed day, and I'll I'll catch you next week. Take care.